So who gets to say that they live right next to the seventh modern wonders of the world? Well, my dear friend Yoni, aka Aquaman. Check in please, as we'll be heading over to Middleburg, the southwest region of the Netherlands, for a historical tour under the sea. Not only will we be hearing about the 200 ways of describing rain in Dutch, but most importantly, we'll be delving in deep on the topic of ego. Yoni and I met on a trek in Myanmar based on our egoic and competitive nature trying to outwalk everyone. We've developed a great friendship almost instantly. For so long, we have let our egoic mindset restrict us from happiness. But this year, we're telling it to exit and go, allowing a whole new sense of freedom. Join me on a deep and therapeutic trip while we enjoy some bubble tea under the sea with this wise warrior whose teachings will inspire you. Hey Yoni, how are you going? I am good. And you? <laughs> Very good, thanks. How's it going in Middleburg today? So, Mr. Aquaman, you've been hiding out in Middleburg. How is life under the sea? <laughs> it's been quite chill, especially now with Corona, of course, with the COVID situation. Yeah. And quite a remote place here. So, mm. not much going on. Especially around summer, there's not much going on here, but just chill and relaxing. As always. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like that for the rest of the world right now. Hey, everything's like pretty much on pause, slowing down, you know. So completely different to our kind of like adventure lifestyle before. Hey, you were traveling for almost two years before this all happened? Yeah, like like one and a half. One and a half. 17, 18 months. Yeah. Well, since we're here in Middleburg, um, give us a little tour. <laughs> Through Middleburg. Okay, first I'm gonna pronounce it in a Dutch way. It's called Middleburg. Middleburg. Okay, so it's Middleburg. No, it's a, a small city, a really small city. Um, almost forgotten nowadays in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, but it used to be one of the biggest cities or the most important cities here in the Netherlands. Oh, really? Was, yeah, that was back when. Well, we call it the golden age. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of a controversial uh, name because that was the time when the Dutch went colonizing and slave trading. But for the oh, Netherlands, it was pretty great. So that's why it's called the golden age. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's also a reason why I'm in the Netherlands because I'm half Indonesian. So we came back here way after that. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember you telling me about that. Like, you know, um, your heritage is actually, um, is it Islander? Like you, like from New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, no. <laughs> so many people think from New Zealand. I think a mixture between Dutch and that and makes you somewhat New, New Zealandish, kind of Kiwi. What, what was the name of like um the, the heritage? Is it Maluku, you said? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm surprised you remember. <laughs> <laughs> Good memory, eh? <laughs> It's um, Maluku, and it's a region in Indonesia, uh, far mm. so close to Papua New Guinea or close to Papua. Um, oh yeah, I was way off. Sorry, <laughs> not from New Zealand. Not many people know it. Many Dutch people know yeah. it. And that's the thing. Like I've met so many Dutch friends like along my travel and stuff as well. But um, you know, when I met you, like I was just like, wow, I didn't realize that um, it's so diverse in terms of like you know uh, heritage and backgrounds there too, um, in the rich history as well. Um, you were also telling me that your city also has one of the modern day like world wonders as well. So what is that? True. 
Well, first of all, you know that the Netherlands is um, like below sea level. Uh, and we have uh, high risk of floodings. So the, the, the Dutch people invented a great system, and which is called the Delta Works. And it's a huge, huge project that covers like half the country. But there are some huge dams in like in rivers. I live on a delta. So the province I live in is called Zeeland. And it's on a delta. So it ends up, it's like the end of a river. And they had to make structures uh, there to keep the country from flooding. And then actually, technically, I live next to it, right close to it. My island is wow. next to the, to the other islands. And it's one did of the you, wonders. Did you used to have like a lot of tourists like coming around like near your house then, like to check it out? Oh man, we have a lot of tourists. Uh, <laughs> like summer is almost more tourists than Dutch people here. Oh, okay. That's like main income here, but sometimes it's so annoying. Like <laughs> so annoyed by tourist cars here blocking every road. But I understand that they're here and it's a lovely place. Yeah, I mean, like, that's so amazing. Who gets to say that they live, like, right next to, like, a, you know, a modern wonder of the world? So, lucky you. Maybe you should start um, charging for parking fees, you know, if someone wants to park in front of your lawn. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, a bit of driving, but it's, like, next to the island. It's, like, a 10-minute drive. And it connects ah, to the other islands. And um, what is so interesting, like, I didn't know this until you told me, that um, New Zealand is actually named after your province. True. Not many people know that, actually. And some, some, some Kiwis know it, which mm. always, surprises me, always surprised me. But, um, yeah, so my province is called Zealand. And the Dutch were, same as the Spanish and the Portuguese, but were one of the first uh, discovering from Europe, like, to other parts, other continents. Mm-hmm. And... There's many places that the Dutch discovered from Europe. Uh, and also in Zealand, like New Zealand. Um, so if you say New Zealand, there must be an old one. And that's the one I'm living in. Wow. Like, that was like, I did not know that. But yeah, that's so cool. So, you know, living, um, I guess, further south and everything like that, You, what is like the, the food they're like and everything? <laughs> Don't start You know asking. me. I'm a fatty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of cuisines <laughs> you mean. But yeah, if you you cannot say Dutch and food, that doesn't go well though. But uh, what's that? Uh, the Dutch don't have really don't we don't really have a kitchen or anything. It's kind of we have snacks and things and that's it. But we have especially in Zealand. Uh, Zealand is famous for mussels and oysters, so a lot of seafood. Mm-hmm. Of course, because we live, uh, we technically live on water. Yeah, and there are some snacks, and it's called one thing's called bubbler, and it's okay. yeah, sweet snack, kind of caramel kind of thing with milky caramel thing, um, which is I, mean, I love it, and they mix it with everything. You can eat it like they mix it in cookies and ice cream, just the candy. They mix it with a shitload of things. Nice. Well, do you know, when I went to um, Amsterdam, I tried this, like, kind of like um, a waffle cookie. What is it called? Like, you guys have it everywhere. Stroke waffle? Squirrel waffle? It's like a syrup waffle. It's like yeah, it's a biscuit, but it's like a, yeah, stale waffle, but in the middle, it's like kind of like caramel. Yeah, <laughs> that one. <laughs> it always surprised me. Like, when I went traveling, 
like so many people knew this. Like, yeah, the 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 syrup waffle thing. And like, how do you know that? Like, and, and I do found you... out so popular worldwide. Mm -hmm. It surprised me that that thing, that Dutch cookie thing, was so yeah. so popular. <laughs> do you know? I only like um really got into it because I was traveling with a Dutch girl, and she was like, "You got to try this. You know, this is very Dutch. You know, this is the cultural experience. You got to try." I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is delicious! <laughs> it was really good." Good one. But um, I know <laughs> I might get fat, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, being there and everything like that. Like, how's the weather? Like, you said that's quite like below sea level and everything like that. Does it rain quite a lot or what? <laughs> I'm gonna say one thing. No. The Dutch. I once saw a video about people explaining uh, the weather in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and he said a funny thing about the Dutch have more words for describing rain and shitty weather. <laughs> Then the Eskim of the Inuit has have words in their whole language. Okay, yep, yep. <laughs> so it's mostly raining here. <clears throat> a lot of rain. I think we have like 200 words to describe rain and shitty weather. <laughs> different kinds so, of rain too. Is it like all like negative kind of like connotations towards rain? Like 200 ways to describe it? Or are there some positives about it too? No, it's mostly negative. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have What's what is, for me is really interesting. There's different kinds of rain, so it's mm. not just you have like kind of small drop rain, or is it just this? I don't. It's, it's, they're Dutch words, so I don't know how to describe them in English. But That's so interesting. Rain. If somebody is it raining, and I would say no, it's uh, uh, motregen. It means like mud rain. I don't know. It's like smaller drops. <laughs> like like we call it like. It's spitting, like, you know, in Australia, like it's like little like oh. droplets. It's spitting or something like yeah. that, or it's yeah. drizzling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Like a drizzle. Drizzle is a good one, and then yeah. something like those words. We just we have like a shitload of them, like a couple of hundred. <laughs> and also just describing. so many ways to express the hatred for rain. But hey, if you do like rain, um, come visit me in Vancouver. You know, <laughs> they're known to be <laughs> Vancouver here. Sorry. <laughs> Would love. To. Yes, that would be great. So, like, I think it's a, a little reminiscing and everything like that. Like, we actually met through in Myanmar, you know, when we did our backpacking. Yes. So, we had the privilege of, you know, doing um, a, a trek from Kalao to Inland Lake together. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I do remember this because I was like, we were like the fastest people, I, I reckon, at the, at the front of the team, literally the whole group, because everyone was so slow. <laughs> I think slowpokes are what they were. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's just how, like, you know, competitive I was. And it was just like, no, I'm a mountain goat now. I'm a certified mountain goat. I have to, like, you know, rah, be first. <laughs> so, into it. Yeah, pretty much. And, um, yeah, it was really nice because we got into conversation and everything like that. And, um, yeah, it was interesting. We instantly connected um, and talking about family issues, like, straight away or, like, you know, some of the things that – were bothering nope. us and I was just like yeah. I was just met this freaking guy and now we're talking <laughs> deep and meaningful shit <laughs> it's interesting how that came to be of course because um first of all we walked like it took three days to walk from Kola to Inle Lake mm. and, and you're just walking a lot and in between it's just sightseeing and scenery which is beautiful but not too much to talk about because you're walking mm. and like, like you said we were the fastest walkers we were always in the front and so we end up walking uh, together 
And at some mm. point you start talking and I don't know what happened. I think it just felt comfortable. Um, I think also maybe because we have somewhat similar backgrounds, especially compared to the having an Asian uh, family, like an Asian heritage. Yeah, yeah. And that so is for sure. I think that that's how it started, like with mentioning some things that happened back home. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I, I totally recognize this. And I think that rolled. And we just started, started talking about families and um, it just got deeper and deeper from there, I think. Yeah. And I, I think it's like um, a lot of things I recognize is that, uh, like you were saying, it was just kind of hard like growing up in your you know your community or society to be able to kind of express yourself or like some of the, these things that you were feeling and um you know what I found through traveling or just meeting randoms or you know people who I connect to randomly is that I felt so comfortable to open up in that way like be fully vulnerable and mm-hmm. yeah like how was your experience like for you as well because yeah, I remember we were just talking about this and it's just, it's just really hard to kind of feel the comfortability back at home yeah well, I'm, I'm a quite closed off person I don't talk about my feelings to technically anyone except for my mm-hmm. girlfriend um oh. always been so while traveling and traveling is different of course you're with people that you already share a common interest which is traveling mm. you're already in a kind of an uncomfortable environment or out of your comfort zone so yep. we have a mindset of, you know, let's go for it. Let's, let's do new things. Let's do different things. Yeah. Especially with people that you just met, but you have a connection with mm. because of that common interest in things. Um, but you also know that you probably won't see them again. Mm. So you, you don't have to be afraid of how you portray yourself towards them. You can kind of be yourself and just with every flaw that you have. Because even if they don't like you, they will leave and then you it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And I think it's just like um, it felt in a way kind of like less pressuring. Like you don't need to prove to them anything or anything sure. like that. You know, you just be like fully exposed yourself. Like, okay, you know, this is what I've been through or this is who I am. And yeah, there's either you want to hang out with me the whole day or <laughs> you can, we move on. And so it, it was a, a different kind of experience for sure, like being able to kind of like let my guard down, I think for you as well. And I do remember you like you were expressing like it's just a little bit, I, I think like growing up in society, like, you know, especially being male, sometimes you feel like you can't be as, um, I guess, vulnerable or be able to show, to cry or have emotions, you know. And yeah. I think you said that for so long, it kind of was really um, – it just became really hard for you to kind of have that balance in terms of dealing with your emotions. Yeah, I think in general it is a thing, especially, well, some countries are worse than others. Um, mm. like the, the the male projection in society is like, you have to be masculine, you have to be a man, you have to be hot, you have to be tough. Mm. Um, and it's, particularly, there's nothing wrong with that because it helps getting you through certain things. Um, For sure, yeah. Yeah, but there's also a downside to that, that it just locks up and there's no space for that uh, venting, uh, ventilating emotions and anything, everything. Mm. So to a point where you just lock it up and guys don't even talk about it. I mean, and you just see with some, some people do, of course, some guys do. It really depends. But in general, um, guys are more locked up 
and not talking about emotions because that, I don't know, makes you weak. Mm. But therefore, I had a problem with not talking about it for a long time and just boiling it, like just keep keep it in myself. Don't talk about it. Just mm. get frustrated uh, because I had no place to talk about. I know mm. the place to lay down my problems. Um, and I think it's not oh, just yeah. for me. I think it's a yes, worldwide Sorry? Say, can I say again? And so is it like a, you didn't feel like there was a safe place or a kind of like a safe moment to actually talk about things? Is that right? Yeah, for me, it was definitely like that. And also mm-hmm. it's just that, that image of um, you have to be strong. And also, it also my family in particular, I grew up with that image. You have to be tough. You have to be strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't show weakness. So... That's what I became. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like when I met you, I'm just like, "Whoa, man! This guy, you do not want to mess with him. He's gonna flip you over." <laughs> like you know, you have a very masculine kind of like vibe around you and stuff. And like, I think it's very similar, like for me as well. Like, um, how did you know growing up, um, uh, you know, Asian community and stuff, you get judged quite, um, quite a lot, I'd say. Um, but, you know, with my parents' divorce, it really kind of changed my mentality of um, being really self-reliant and, you know, being that, you know, independent bad bitch <laughs> kind of thing. Um, everything that... Live up yeah. to that state that is of yeah. have to be this and all your parents expect something and yeah, ignore your, yourself. You kind of ignore who you, what you want, what you want to be or who you are. Mm-hmm. Live up to that image that is portrayed on you. Well, I feel like I really had to prove something, um, especially to my mom all the time. Um, It kind of like caused me to kind of like shut off like a lot of um, emotions in a way for so long. Like if I was feeling down or if I felt like, you know, there's a bit of vulnerability creeping in, like it just can't exist. Um, And you know, that's why like, I, I channel it through, you know, let's say Muay Thai or like, you know, I mm-hmm. always had this like competitive mentality. Like I want to be the best. I have to be the best. And it just became so like, um, I guess it was just making me so hard on myself, you know, when things didn't go right. Like I was just so hard on myself after mm-hmm. a while. And um, yeah, th- that's where that competitiveness comes, you know. And I don't know if you felt like that as well. Like you constantly feel like you have to prove something. Yeah, it's really interesting because I just talked about this yesterday to my therapist. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> so what kind of input would you have on that? Well, yeah, it's exactly what you say. Um, for everyone, it's different, but of course. But hmm. for me, it was the same, just proving um, also for me because I was quite popular in school and good in sports and uh, physics and some things and it's just that 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 drive to always be the best which yeah. is not a bad thing and but like not a bad thing that you it's want not, to be the yeah. best well healthy uh, healthy it competition a bad thing when it's good yeah yeah but you have to also know when to let it go and that's where the line is uh when you don't know the the the, the you don't you, you don't recognize the point where you have to let it go and you just keep forcing mm. yourself and if you're not when you feel so bad it just you, you almost become a different person because you're not the best that is true and it, it comes in with like that um it becomes like an ego i guess mm. um e- egoic like kind of like mindset and yeah like i can totally relate to that like, i was just so 
like consumed in this like ideology of like you know ha- being the best or you know oh if someone if like someone did better than me I'm like nope you know I'm gonna push it but subconsciously I don't like it. it's just a like a subconscious feeling huh and I also have a question as in what I had is that I would do almost like crazy things that no one would do just to be uh extra yeah. bizarre in something mm-hmm. uh, I would walk to work like 10 kilometers with like 30 kilograms on my back and then walk work eight to ten hours and then walk back just to say that I didn't I also did train for military uh, thing but just did, took it to a next level yeah and the feeling I got from that which is a bad feeling is that I started to look down upon other people mm. because I put myself up high and then I was like yeah but other people don't do that that's a those there so they're less than me or they're weaker than me yeah and that is like something that you can fall into you know like when you kind of like want to be the overachiever or like just just want to like have this like kind of it's like like short-term like validation you know that um you're seeking and I can really relate to that as well like I've always been you know very athletic very sporty and adventurous and sometimes I feel like I just want to do it alone because like you know uh, I don't want anyone to hold me back you know from what I want to do but in a way, mm-hmm. I was just like, man, like, why am I so hard on myself? Or, yeah, this it feels so good to achieve all these things. But, like, you know, it will feel better, say, if you did with someone, help someone do it too, you know? Like, it's just, like, you know, it's, it's I don't know. For your own ego to kind of fill yeah. that empty void. And it also explains why we were the fastest walkers, though, on that hike. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. We're like freaking big heads. We're like, oh, we're the best, you know. Like, and literally, I was competing with you. Like, nope, you know. Me. <laughs> that, that was actually really interesting. I think unconsciously we were competing with each other in the front, but then yeah. we walked together and we had a great conversation. Like a great conversation come from that. From that company. Exactly. You know, so something great that came out of an egoic kind of like mentality. Yeah. At some point, we just let it go and just had a great conversation, which I enjoy way more than. Oh, me too. But it is so, so true. Like it's very evident in like you know having this year, like we said, that it's been very um, different for us to kind of slow down and really be introspective in terms of like some of the things that we've done or some actually acknowledging our feelings. And um, I think like you and me, like we're just so used to having that speed that momentum you know to kind of like keep us going and kind of brush things under the rug so I know that for you you know um when we were hiking stuff you did a lot of meditation even then um it kind of helped you as well yeah and I've recently got into meditation as well, like um, this whole year. And for me, I used to like kind of look down on it. I'd be like, oh, screw this, man. All I ever do is fall asleep. So what's the point of meditation? <laughs> <laughs> the goal is not to fall asleep, but yeah, I understand. Well, just like, it, I hated yoga because I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm too Muay Thai. I like fast speed. I like, you know, yeah. I got to keep moving, you know. And when every time I did yoga and coming towards the end of the session, you know, when you just, just lie there and relax, I'm always the one in the back that starts snoring or like sleeps, you know. So well, I, I I, yeah, go on. Go on. Yeah, I, I'm just so not used to being still. Like being still for mm-hmm. me is scary. Like, and That's it's, because you have a lot of energy, uh, I think, like physical mm-hmm. energy. Yeah. And interesting part is a lot of people think you can only find rest by being still like meditating and yoga which is not mm-hmm. true in my opinion because i used to train like 10 times a week um also did a muay thai running cycling swimming and i found 
like my meditation within, especially within running and swimming. Yeah. So you can do like a, and I know the father of my girlfriend uh, does Penchak Silat, which is like Indonesian Kung Fu. Oh, and cool. Yeah. Wow. I never heard yeah. of that. <laughs> kind of like Indonesian Kung Fu. And same as in Kung Fu, you don't, you have the like the, the martial arts part of like fighting part, but you also mm. have the, like in, in karate, you have the, the kata, where it's more like a dance. Yeah. And he also experienced that as a meditation when he does that. Mm. So it doesn't have to be like still sitting. You can also do it while moving if that works better for you. For me, it works yeah. too. I'd rather prefer doing some activity, but um, not an activity where you have to think. So like running, swimming, cycling, just keep mm. going. But then you can get rid of that energy while you're kind of meditating doing it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like the thing is, like, um, I, I realize I need balance, like, because I'm so used to, I have so much energy, you know, like back at home, um, I wake up in the morning sometimes, run for half an hour, get ready to go for work, and then at night I'll go to Muay Thai training three hours, and on the weekend before having a big binge, I will go on beach runs for like ten k's, and that was my, <laughs> yeah, I know, so balanced, right? Um, <laughs> And that was my kind of uh, meditation, I realized, through jogging, you know. I can literally jog for so long and just be zoned out and just be my own thoughts. But the thing is, like, it w- wasn't enough, like, um, in terms of uh, being able to write things down or really acknowledge my feelings, you know. So through meditation, I actually learned how to be still and use breathing this year. Like, um, it's a different experience. And I used to be like, oh, you know, like, what is it? I don't get this, you know. And um, oh, that's well, why. The physical meditation works too because like, mm. if you're jumping, you also have to pay attention to your breathing. And I used to do a little bit of high-class high Thai where they yep. talk breathing techniques yep. that you can apply while you're fighting. Um, so I apply that too to running. Just You're focusing yep. on breathing, and that's also meditation. Meditation is also being in your own mind mm-hmm. without uh, distractions from outside. So that's it doesn't have to be sitting or yoga. Just... Even yoga. by the way, yoga is tough though. I did it like once or twice, a couple of times, and I was oh. like, oh, no, "This is tough." It, it is <laughs> it's hard. honestly. I, I did like the Bikram yoga back at home, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, one day, I literally <laughs> thought that my limbs were gonna like freaking rip and stuff. I was like, "I'm not flexible anymore." Especially <laughs> <laughs> that, like, I'm not flexible. And the funny part is, first time I did yoga, everyone mm. was so calm and it was silent. And it was in the morning, at five o'clock in the morning, with sun rising, all silent. <laughs> But I'm used to like the same as you, like Muay Thai, and where you when you do a movement, you like I breathe out, like shh. Yeah. And I remember uh, when we do hard movement, I had to stretch, and I was like, oh, and I'm making all these noises when I was doing yeah. it. And everyone was looking at me like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But the, it is so true, and I, I do agree with what you said. You know, when it, meditation can be different forms and stuff as well. I didn't recognize that. I just thought meditation, being still was like, you know, something wasn't for me. And I remember because when we did the um, the three-day check to Inner Lake, we stayed mm-hmm. um, in a temple uh, with some monks. Yeah. And you would wake up with uh, Leof and stuff at like 4 a.m. in the morning. I was thinking, <coughs> losers. I was like, I'm going to keep snoozing where you guys do your breathing exercise. <laughs> like, I didn't really get the um, the importance of it, you know. Uh, but you were so consistent and it was so nice to see yeah. you, you know, be in that state, you know. And, um, yeah. yeah it, it comes with it is discipline. Discipline is another thing. Um, 
like discipline to my opinion is doing something that you don't like doing at that moment but for a better thing in the future if i can phrase it like that mm. so same with the meditation of course when i wake up i'm like it's way too early i don't want to do it and eventually it feels good and you know that that moment will come or working towards that moment let's say that and I remember sitting alone there for <laughs> wake up first. I was just going like, like because the evening, the, like the evening before, people's like, oh, I, I might join you. I'll come and join you in the morning. And I wake up, go sitting. I was like, nobody joined me. Thank <laughs> God I didn't say anything. I was like, fuck that. You're lying to me. But I remember one time, especially in the the the, 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 the monastery with the monks. I start sitting, did my meditation for like half an hour, and I opened my eyes, and there were other people sitting there too. And I was like, oh, that really gave, gave me a great feeling. Like I wasn't. Oh, that's so great, though. But uh, sorry, I couldn't join you. But hey, if you meditate next time, <laughs> I'll definitely join you now. <laughs> <laughs> you are forgiven. <laughs> oh, no. So bad. But, um, you know, you know, like, it was just an incredible experience on that track. I remember sharing with you and, you know, our, our group. Um, we went through the villages and uh, was it our guide was like a palm reader. So he did a palm reading for us. I mean, I, it, was, it was funny. I don't remember well. He did all these weird things. Also, especially explaining all the Buddhist things with the animals and all the backstories behind them. I remember I was a tiger because I was born on a Monday. Oh man, um, Wednesday? No, I forgot what animal. I, no, I'm born on a Friday. Friday. <laughs> Friday. I don't remember. I think Sunday was Phoenix or something or Dragon. Sunday uh, was Dragon, yeah. I don't remember what Friday was. I don't remember, but he was just like, Yeah, yeah, um, you're gonna be rich or find a rich husband or something. Like that. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I hope uh, both of them are true. <laughs> uh, so I was like, yeah, sweet, sweet ass. <laughs> You're waiting. <laughs> Still sleeping. Yeah, so, um, and I remember just like, uh, just being in the village and stuff for like, you know, the people there, it was such a cool experience where we actually got to get up and you know together and we also you some of the guys got to play um soccer with the monks yeah played soccer with the monks i was meditating so i was thinking <laughs> yeah, no, and, and they were playing soccer with the monks that was really cool the monks were really enjoying it man they literally showed up the guys and these guys have like freaking like sneakers and shoes on and these guys are just yeah, amazing yeah it was do you remember walking through the puddle on the hike and every like was a big puddle on the on the path and all you guys had to take off your shoes and i was lucky with my uh my water water tied boots past you guys and i was like again first i never walking in the front because i could walk faster than you guys oh god yeah i was just like yeah he's well prepared and so <laughs> Just like suffered in like mud and dirt. But that's the thing, like when you go to these experiences, like it just doesn't even matter. You know, like I love getting out in nature and like, you know, have like experiencing that simplicity, you know, that you don't get to experience, let's say in back in your hometown, city. Um, you know, it's a, a different kind of experience. And um 
like I don't know like we were talking that it really taught us how to kind of learn to be in the moment I mean people mm. probably hear this all the time like being in the moment being present and everything like that but um it really taught me that you know in terms of like breathe like enjoy what's around you look at nature look at some birds you know That's like exactly why I tell people to go traveling and I sometimes especially my first tri- my first trip I went for four months uh, I was mm. 20 and I went traveling I just bought a ticket packed my bag, left my phone back home, didn't even bring my phone and just went. What? Didn't, didn't even book my, yeah, didn't even book my first, uh, my first hostel, my first hotel on the first night. I just went, landed. And I remember uh, landing in Kuala Lumpur, got a taxi to, in a, like, to the city and just sat on the sidewalk and just stared at the road and people for like 15 minutes and just asked myself, <laughs> so now what? Like I had no, it was empty. And from that moment, I was like, yeah, just, I don't know, just go in the moment. Uh, leave your phone behind, just. Oh my God, like you were so brave. Yeah, but for me, the best way of traveling, uh, like don't have all these distractions um, mm. with you, like a phone or a thing. I barely look at my phone even nowadays. Some people blame me. They don't respond like, no, I respond whenever I want, whenever I look at my phone. Thank you so much for responding to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I want to, I will. I know. Like, hopefully, he's not dead. I'll check up (laughs) on him, anyways. (laughs) See your response. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let it control you. That's true. That's true. And the thing is, like, we do fall into that um, that trap, you know, when it comes to distraction. And it, it's a society where everything is literally on the internet, information, you know, social media. And I do find myself sometimes like scrolling aimlessly, and literally end up like you know, end up in a rabbit hole and like watching like some cat tutorial or something like that. I don't know cat dancing. It's just so weird. Like, I'd be like, oh my god, I just wasted literally a whole hour of not doing anything. Well, it's not always wasting. I think it was always wasting. If you consciously choose to do it and entertain mm. you, it's okay. But if yeah. you uncontrollably let it control you, so you just feel an urge to look at your phone and do things because you don't know what to do with yourself, then it's controlling you, and I don't think that's a good thing. That but is very true. Yeah. To do it, no, we'll do it. Yeah. How do you? How do you have so much self control? Like, what? How does? What is your strategy? Um. No, I don't always have control. <laughs> um, I think I don't know. I just just being aware that I don't want to let these things control me. Mm. That's a good way of putting it. So. I remember like, you know, talking about experiences and stuff and, you know, we'll still keep in contact while after we left Myanmar and everything. And um, you know how we like just like keep going and stuff. You had like a very close to death experience, which I remembered you talking about. <laughs> yep. And um, the thing is like, I thought you were actually also on this other trek that I did in Myanmar, which I nearly died. But in turn, like, no, you weren't. So your closer death experience that you remember, actually, you had a, a couple. So the one in Nepal. Yeah, but you. Hmm? You, oh, you yeah. Can... It's like, I was on a trek and um, we, I think, oh, my God, I've got, um, I think this was before we met. I was with Haigai and Leof and stuff, and we went through like the the Shan villages. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I when you I, I met you guys, you told me. But yeah, go on. Yeah, and then we um 
were following like you know the the guide and of course I was in front again you know trying to be like oh, a little mountain goat <laughs> um I tripped on this trigger and it was an explosive so I thought that I literally blew up you know fucking <laughs> sick I would like shit my pants if I would stand on some kind of minor thing <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, shit, did I die or am I in heaven yet? I don't even know. <laughs> so um, that was like one of the things that kind of like changed a lot of things for me. And I'm just like, oh, shit, you know, well, cheated death. So what's, I'm going to YOLO through life. <laughs> Not really. Um, yeah, yeah, nothing can kill me now. <laughs> but um, I, I remember your experience. I that yeah. was so funny because like, when you're in the moment, like, come on, tell us the story. I was in the moment, indeed. I was with a, I was in Nepal, uh, walking on a Purna circuit, and mm-hmm. winter, so there's barely anyone on the track. I was with a German guy I found, amazing guy, and we were just walking, the two of us, and you're like in the middle of nowhere. There's no one in front of you, no one behind you, no one in, in I don't know, in, no one around. And at some point, the path only gets small, and it's winter, and sometimes there's ice. And I was what we talked about before. Sometimes you get in that moment of walking. I'm like, yes, I'm into it. Like, let's go and walk the path. Didn't pay attention to anything on the path. Stepped on a piece of like stepped on a part of ice, and my my leg just swept, and I was upside down, and it was a path of maybe one meter wide. I flipped on the ice and because I was on ice, I started sliding towards the edge and till a point, till my middle and my legs were just dangling over the edge. And <laughs> I remember it was, after that, we were just going down for, I don't know, 100, 200 meters down or something. And I don't know what happened because it went so fast that I, like consciously, I didn't think about it. I didn't think like I need to do this, but I just some way I rolled over, I grabbed on something on the floor to make myself wide to get like friction on the floor mm. and crawl back up and just looked at my partner that was the German guy that was behind me and I was like just thumbs up and like I'm all good let's keep going <laughs> <laughs> and I, the weird part was I didn't feel anything I didn't feel scared my heart was calm like I had a really low heart like I was just pure survival in thing that just went and almost like nothing happened it went too fast for me and the it- because the yeah. guy behind me, the German guy, he was screaming like a little girl. He was <laughs> 10 meters, 20 meters, 10, 15 meters behind me. He was just like, ah! <laughs> he was like, I thought you were dying, man. <laughs> just like, okay, I'm all good. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, did you die? No, let's keep going. <laughs> oh, I'm good. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it was more of a shock thing, like a survival instinct with me shock that my mind just couldn't. Uh, pr- process what was ha- what was happening. <laughs> yeah, and like when when you're in that moment, like it was the same initial feeling for me at first too. I was just like, oh shit, okay, well that happened. Um, should we go to the next village and get some lunch now? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly a shock effect. Yeah, and then like when you sit down, I should sit down and think about it. Like, oh shit, I could have died, you know, kind of thing. So it was just like. You know, are you numb to it, or like, are you just like, okay, well, that's it, like, you know, kind of the feeling. Yeah, now I'm kind of numb to it because nothing happened, of course. But um, yeah, still, it was like, I, I think the guy, the German guy behind me, was more scared than I was. But I can yeah, well, uh, place my mind in his. Like, if he was the guy tripping, I was also. I would be more scared because 
if somebody falls in the middle of nowhere and he just falls down for 100 meters, mm. jump, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, there's exactly. nothing. There. Well, I'm so glad that you didn't die there. Sorry. <laughs> you, me too. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the thing is, like, um, you also <laughs> told me another story of um, how you were in Bangladesh. Sorry. Okay. That's the thing, like, you know, no one really thinks about, um, well, I never think about going to Bangladesh as, like, a, a place where I want to travel to. And, um, yeah, you're, you're just, like, that adventurous and crazy, you know, like, oh, yeah, and you're, like, after me, and I'm going to go here, and, yeah, I'll probably end up in Bangladesh. I was like, what? Why? But you told me, like, about your experience well, there again. I like exploring the more unknown bits. I mean, mm. after I went to the Thailand and Malaysia and Indonesia. I agree, yeah. Goes the authentic there. experience, yeah. Yeah, so many tourists and whatever. And I was like, also looking at the map, and I want to go to uh, Myanmar and I want to go to Nepal. And I was looking at the map, like, what's in between, just maybe in case I can go with a train or with a flight. Mm. And I saw Bangladesh and India, of course, but in- India is huge. Yeah. I saw Bangladesh, I'm like, huh. Oh, let's go there why not and i asked some people no one i didn't met anyone ever that went there uh so i was like let's go couldn't be that bad right so (laughs) let's go (laughs) we'll see we'll improvise when we get there (laughs) yeah that's your life (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it is (laughs) and it was amazing though i have to say i didn't speak to any tourists or like any tourists when i was there i was there for four weeks uh, I've been kind of alone for the four weeks. Not alone because I've been with all the local people there, and they're not mm. shy. They're not shy at all. They will talk to you if they want to talk to you. They come with a lot of questions. They don't. They barely speak English, but they will come to you to ask you anything. Oh wow! Okay. So, uh, did you learn a bit of Bangla Bangli or something afterwards? Bengali? I learned yeah. every language I went to, but I can't remember. <laughs> I mean. Sometimes some things I remember. I remember some Vietnamese. <laughs> oh, amazing then. Yeah, I gotta test out some of your Vietnamese then. But yeah, um the one thing I laughed so hard when you were telling me about this is that like um the initial like trip, you know, or you know, the flight to get there, you had oh. food poisoning after Myanmar. So I, I thought this was hilarious. Anyway, sorry, I mean I wasn't supposed to laugh, but it was so funny. <laughs> it's such a thing because everyone was talking about food poisoning in Myanmar. And like, it's like a, everyone gets it in Myanmar. Really? So, I was fine. I think I had probably had like shit guts or something by then, you know, but I was completely fine. Probably. Like, well, I had the same. I was there for four weeks too in, in Myanmar. And I was like, nothing happened. I'm good. And then on the last day. Next minute. <laughs> I had my flight to Bangladesh. Oh, man, I was, I was a jellyfish. I couldn't do anything. And jellyfish and dry land. I, I was just shitting and puking every five minutes. I couldn't walk more than 10 meters. I would faint. Uh, and I was like, oh, I have my flight tomorrow. What am I going to do? And I was feeling so sick that I was thinking about going back home after traveling. I was planning for traveling for like one and a half year. And after like three, four months, I was like, I need to go home. I'm going to die here. I feel like <laughs> I'm dying. I can't take this. And was, my second thought was to go to back to Thailand because they have a little bit better hospitals there. Mm. Um, but some stubbornness in me still decided to go to Bangladesh and it all went good but like in hindsight I'm, I'm more like maybe I should have gone to Thailand first be, get better before I go to Bangladesh I have to say Bangladesh is the dirtiest country I've ever seen really oh shit yeah 
lovely people though people are really but um yeah so okay the whole story i'm gonna try to tell it short like in a short way but uh so i got food poisoning the day before still went on airplane i was lucky that i could get some um stomach things for for like like, yeah tablets or anything just shoved the shitload of them in my mouth just i didn't want a diarrhea on the airplane that was it (laughs) yeah anything else landed in bangladesh then there was a problem with my visa because there were o's and zeros in it and they got mixed up and i'm sure they were good but they just made a problem out of it and they wanted money so i just had to wait for like an hour while having food poisoning then eventually they said no it's okay you can go so I had still had to pay for the visa, but all the ATMs at the airport didn't work. <laughs> so that's nobody... the worst feeling ever, you know, not knowing how to get money out. That's terrible. And then mm. to the point that nobody wanted to help me because there were a lot of people coming through, of course. So they just shoved me to the side and you have to wait till everyone's gone. Yeah. Uh, waited for like another ha- one and a half hour, uh, two and a half hours of being completely sick. And I remember there was one ATM that technically did work, but it had an error screen, like an error in the screen. And at some point, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to try. And because of, I use so many ATMs in Asia and around, I kind of knew which button to press when. And at yeah. some point, I just kept pressing. and like, okay, I think now my code. Okay, this button, this button. And then I was like, suddenly money came out. I was like, yes! <laughs> like, yes! <laughs> Yeah. One of the happiest moments ever. So I paid, <laughs> could get in. Then people told me <clears throat> it's election now in Bangladesh, so be careful. I was like, okay, another thing. Got my Grab. Oh, actually, I had an Uber. Got my Uber, Wi Fi in the airport. We drove away from the airport. My Wi Fi went, got like, uh, I was disconnected. Disconnected. Mm. And the driver stopped and said something in Bengali to me about the Uber and the Wi-Fi. I didn't understand him. He didn't understand me because he didn't speak English. So then there for like another 15 minutes. He called in the airport security, which were, I think, just military with huge fucking rifles. And they just both sides on the car, like through both windows. And the first thing he said, talk to me. And I was like, oh, no, I can't deal with you know, I'm too sick for this. After three hours of this, I just, just bring me to the hotel. I'll give you money. I don't care. <laughs> oh, my God. And eventually, at the hotel, they brought me there. It was a long search, too, because we couldn't find it. At the hotel, there's, of course, they always try to get a little bit more money than yeah. you want to pay for. So I had to haggle. At some point, you know, I'll pay this. I'll pay a little bit more. I don't care anymore. And I was finally in my bed and stayed there for three days and didn't eat for three days and lost five, five to six kilograms. Yeah, man. Like when you were telling me, I'm just like, yep, that is true stubbornness right there. (laughs) (laughs) But I I also um, remember you telling me that from this whole experience, it did also like teach you something. Like what did you discover from all this? Uh, Well, first of all, that I can be stubborn. Um, sometimes it's better not don't you always don't have to be that that tough guy you don't have to be hard like i can do this i can fix this whatever yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's better to say okay let it go also on the other hand i know can i can withstand some terrible things <laughs> <laughs> and you know your limits They're like okay i can do this like i, I can overcome some things 
some people would just lay down on the ground like I can't do it and stop and I have that willingness that willpower just to keep on going yeah uh, even oh, if stubbornness but still yeah and it's so true and I think it's like we can totally relate on this because for so long you know we say that we don't want to seem weak we don't want to seem like you know vulnerable or like you know be a burden to other people so you kind of take everything on yourself and um like you know like you said it's it's sometimes about learning to ask for help and everything as well yeah and uh, I don't know uh, I felt like it was a very long time for me to actually be able to do that um and like now like I'm kind of like starting to learn to be like okay I'm feeling something I'm going to acknowledge it or you know I think I need help um I'll ask but you know growing up it's just more like no I can do everything I'm invincible you know if you can drink I can out drink you I can out do everything most of the time I'll be like face first on the floor because that's <laughs> resting my eyes, cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, you get to know yourself and know your limits. That's yeah. the clue thing that you can get out of it. Know where your limits are and just let somebody else shine. Don't always put all the spotlights on you and let, give somebody else sometimes to shine. Yeah, that is true. And, but like, uh, yeah, that's so true. And like, um, you know, something like sometimes I don't consciously do it, but you know, uh, I don't want to be like seems like a show off or anything like that. But at the same time, you gotta learn to be like, yes, you know, just chill. <laughs> yeah, give the prize to someone else sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's true. True, it is that. <laughs> so, like, um, with like this whole year and everything, you know, for us to just kind of relax. And I know that, you you know, you've been also going through some therapy as well, you know, just to be like, mm-hmm. I want to kind of like get through this and deal with it. Um, I think it's very courageous and stuff, you know, um, like I was yeah. saying to you, like, you know, culture and stuff where there's a, a kind of like a stigma when it comes around, let's say, uh, mental health or being able to seek out counsel for to um, kind of express feelings, emotions, or things that you know you kind of feel uncomfortable about. But um, what we really relate on, you know, since we caught up, is just like holy shit! Like we're actually going through this kind of healing process, you know, and uh, it's just a, actually kind of getting some sessions to really delve into like the things that we uh, what we're kind of holding us back from, you know, um, some of our aspects of our lives. So you tell me about, you know, how's that going for you right now? Well, the thing is that um, when you're young and you grow up, you you go through things, you develop a personality, and that you get used to that personality, and that's the way you do things. Mm. But life is dynamic, and life changes constantly. So sometimes, especially that's what I'm learning now, is that things you develop in your past don't always are aren't always useful nowadays in your life. Like it's not always useful what you do now. So you have to kind of change that or learn how to do it differently. Um, so that's what I'm working on right now. I used to be always, what I told you, like being tough and hard. And that comes from being young and I had to do things on my own and it didn't have help. There was no one around me to help me. So I did everything by myself. So I developed a personality where I do, where I did everything by myself, but life changed and now I have people. And my problem now is that I can't let them close or I can't ask for help. Mm. Even just a small thing. I just... No, I will do it by myself because I'm tough and I'm good and like I'm strong enough to do it. But now, uh, sometimes it's just better to ask. And I think other people also, it gives other people a good feeling when you ask them for help because they feel needed. 
and you can reflect it on you. You can reflect it on yourself. I think. Oh wow! Like, I didn't think of it that way actually. <laughs> Good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm learning now. So. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, I always thought like if I did ask for help, like um. I would be a burden. Like, I don't want to burden people with my problems. Um, I think that initial kind of mindset or old belief system was like, you know, when my parents were going through a divorce. And back then, mm-hmm. um, no one in the Vietnamese community, so I didn't know of, like, you know, we're going through a divorce. And um, I had, a, like, a best friend. And literally her mom or something told her not to hang out with me anymore because my family uh, mm-hmm. is broken. So... You know, I took it on as like, you know, shit, you know, like um, when I started moving schools and parents um, divorced and I had to move away and everything, um, starting at a new school. So I was like, I don't really want to talk about any of this stuff or I never, ever wanted to expose him to like my presence or friends, you know, what was going on because it's shameful, it's embarrassing or, you know, um, not everyone would think I'm a loser, you know, because no one's mm-hmm. gone through this. So, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it it's like a... I don't know, a very, um, I guess not very a good way to kind of see it, you know, like I grew up with that mentality because I was protecting myself from yeah, so guess, fear. To survive. Yeah. To survive. Your, yeah. Or, or to be rejected from society, you know what I mean? Like that fear of rejection. Um, and it's like also like you, like learning how to kind of like accept that you're in a different stage of your life right now and separate the entity or that fear from yourself because that's what I've also learned because I've also done a bit of like therapy as well lately and it is true like you you gotta learn to accept that you know like you can you learn from your past experiences but then it doesn't really make you who you are today as well you can choose to work on or improve on it you know like change is constant basically true Mm. same as with the meditation thing that like the fear is okay because you have experience and you, and you learn uh mm. from it but don't let the fear control you as mm. in you should control that fear you know that what happened you learn from it so you can prevent it from happening again mm-hmm. but don't let it control you so you still can decide what you want to do and that's you still have a choice instead of just uncontrollably unconsciously let it control you where you don't yeah. You're not conscious of what you're doing. I used to be uh, saying with not helping my girlfriend, especially if there was a problem with my girlfriend. I wouldn't let her close emotionally. I would everything by myself. And especially when things got tough or where I did something wrong, my ego couldn't take it or I couldn't take it. And we just bounce the ball back to her. And I would be manipulative and always make a problem that it was her fault and never my fault. Ooh, yeah. And especially when I got emotional and frustrated, I would just become really cold. Like, mm. like, um, scary, scary cold. Oh, okay. No emotions at all. I would call it psychopathic cold, where you just like don't show any expression and just talk really calm. Um, really? Okay. Well, it's not. It's not do it. <laughs> like nothing like the yoni with the bubble tea at all. No. no. <laughs> when I have no oh. That won't happen. That is cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, um, it it is a defense mechanism. Like the way you explain it, you know, like rather than just allowing it to happen, you build up walls. And for so mm-hmm. long as well, like, um, for me, I, I just didn't want to. I always held everyone at like an arm's length, you know, and kind of like 
laughing, smiling and stuff like that. But I, I am happy, you know, um, that's just how I go through life and everything like that. But internally, you're just like, okay, this is scary, not letting anyone in or not accepting things like, you know, I mm-hmm. that being clear about what you want kind of thing because it's scary what you want, you know? It is sometimes it's confusing, of course. And it's, what you said, totally true. Sometimes it's scary, especially when you don't know. Mm. Or it's like a dilemma, you want two things, but it's like they cancel out each other. Um, but yeah, it's a hard, difficult thing, especially when you're younger. Uh, what yeah. you, I still, I've still have no idea what I want. Nothing for the day is good enough. But you know what? Like, I think it's fine. I think a lot of pressure like, growing up as well, it's like um, you have to know what you want. You know, you kind of think like, you know, you should know what degree you have to get, you study. Right. You know, that's what you're going to be. And yeah. um, it's uh, kind of like recently that my parents are, you know, are more embracive now. And that's just like, you know, um, more accepting to the fact that you can be flexible. For him back then, it's just very like straight this, straight that. You know, you should know, like, why would you change your degrees again? That makes you dumb kind of thing. You know, you're wasting time. Mm-hmm. But uh, now he's just like... At the performance, like lower degrees, or you just have to keep it high and just prove mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, like he's just like, oh, well, what else can you study after your master's degree? I'm like, dad, I'm already in debt with the government. Like, do you want to keep paying for my tuition? You know, like... <laughs> There's no point. Yeah. And he's just like, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. But um, yeah, like it's just now it, like I feel more comfortable being like, hey, you know what? Like I didn't really want to head down like the HR route or something for now. And, you know, just really take time to breathe and chill. And yeah, I had a conversation with my dad, you know, in the last couple of months, you know, since we've been caught, like catching up and stuff. And uh, it's really nice for him to kind of be like, yeah, sure. As long as you're healthy, you're well, you have a roof under your head and you're financially okay, then, you know, that's sweet. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, wow, old man, you've come a long way. <laughs> what is that? It's like how I, I would describe it as when you're climbing a mountain, don't always mm-hmm. look at the top of the mountain. Like mm-hmm. I want to be at the top. Sometimes just stand still and wherever you are on the mountain and look at your surroundings because it might be beautiful right where you're standing you're just not seeing it because you just keep looking at that top that is so true and I guess that's how I guess me and you were going in through life right it's just like straightforward laser focus like just straight straight going forward 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 all the time and Mm -hmm. it's just sometimes you do forget to be like you know enjoy the journey um do a little detour or something like that you know (laughs) it is so true yeah just the same when it becomes another I'm thinking about something I went through before traveling and that's the reason why I went traveling um Mm. at the same topic as just going high and always be the best at things Mm. because I did my studies and I had to pay for it that's why I did night shifts between my studies uh where I didn't sleep so I slept only maybe four days a week um sometimes I was awake for more than 72 hours in a row almost every other week and that's also because I didn't want to feel weak. Like, I'm strong enough to do this. I don't need sleep. I can do this. I don't need anything. I can do wow. all. You actually, you actually talk sleep is for the week, literally. <laughs> yeah, sleep is for the week. I barely slept. Uh, I did it all by myself. Didn't ask any help from anyone because I was too proud. Um, and that's what I mean with, like, knowing where your limits are or knowing when mm. to stop and let it go. And I didn't mm. know that. And I had a burn, like a burnout, and I till a point, and that was scary for me, where I didn't know how to relax anymore. Oh yeah, I do you remember you telling me this? Mm. Yeah, 
and that's a scary feeling where you're like you actually you have nothing to do you're just sitting and like now i can relax but it just doesn't happen you're you just forgot how to relax and that's actually the reason why i went traveling like okay i need to go away i need to go traveling because i felt suicidal at that point um, because just too much pressure too much stress i think i have a slight trauma from it but working on it but yeah just letting things go and that's sometimes don't pursue like is it is it worth the sacrifices ask yourself that sometimes Mm, that is very true yeah like kind of like choose like you know you have the right to choose but you know also be mindful of what it is to get yourself into yeah wow um (laughs) (laughs) i'm really glad that you know um you're also finally you know taking the steps to helping yourself you know feel better and everything and it's just um such a funny kind of coincidence because i'm just like you know i finish one of my sessions and i'm just going to catch up with yoni see what he's been up to and um we were just laughing yeah. because we're like, what? <laughs> and what is brother yoni up to you know like we're both <laughs> just had therapy so <laughs> why not have a deep and main- meaningful conversation together you know <laughs> Well, it's actually, I really, well, I wouldn't say enjoy, that's not the right word, but find it comfortable because for me, it was a big step. I used to say, before traveling, I used to say that I would rather kill myself before going into therapy and that's mm. because I'm being too proud. <clears throat> mm. And just because your our conversation almost started with like, yeah, I'm in therapy and you're like, oh, me too. And I'm like, that's, a, that was for me, it was a really big comfort. I'm like, okay. Aww. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Like and that's the thing, like uh, it's okay, you know, like, you know, if you need someone to talk to and some have like come, some kind of, uh, that does have like the professional or like the the degrees or certification to help out, you know, it's completely fine to seek help. Like sometimes it is like you, you can feel like you're so alone, but, you know, if you trust somebody or, you know, you feel like you need to talk, you know, um, just let it out. And I think there's nothing wrong with like, being to be able to show emotion and stuff anymore like it was just a struggle for so long but I'm just like yeah I feel it I'm human and it's okay you have to accept it you know like I'm just gonna feel some days I'm gonna cry some days and um that's gonna be fine yeah and as the monks say everything comes and goes so Mm. your emotions will come but they will also go it's like the what's it called the concept of impermanence right (laughs) yeah um well I don't know yeah things are always yeah. I remember, I'm not sure if I told you, but I went to like a 10 day silent treat, like a silent. Um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. 10 days only. I think the full course is like 21 or 24 days. Mm. But 10 days, it was cool. Same thing, just 10 days of 12 hours of meditation a day and just being silent. No talking, barely eating. <laughs> I think everyone should do it. <laughs> oh my god! And like, if you told me this months ago or when we met, I'd be like, I can't do it. I can't. You would be because that's the thing. Like, I needed noise. I needed like distraction to actually like kind of like um distract me, you know, from the inner feelings or inner emotions I was feeling. You know, because for me, I'm so used to being around people, so used to having stimulation and everything thrown at me. That you know, that would literally be death for me if you put me in a, like a silent retreat, <laughs> kind of thing. But it's but, good. Um, it is, so, yeah. I would say like, there's nobody in this world you have to live with, except mm. for yourself. You can't get rid of yourself. 
That is true. Yeah. Yourself. And um, the thing is, like, <laughs> remember you telling me your experience from that because you've been through, doing meditation for so long. Like, you thought it was an okay experience; it was good. But then there was one point where you started seeing colors or something in the wind, like Pocahontas. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a shameful story for me to tell because I'm, I'm a masculine guy. I'm a woman, but <laughs> hey, I hey, was... no judgment here. Okay, <laughs> this is our... <laughs> no, um. I remember meditating. You have to like meditate for 12 hours a day. And that's, you can do it anywhere you want it, inside, outside. At some point, I was sitting on an open balcony and it was a windy day. And I was meditating. And at some point, I f- like the wind was just not wind. I, f- I felt the wind completely. And it started changing colors. At some point, I could like feel colors in the wind. And I started thinking about the song of Pocahontas, like colors <laughs> of And I started singing it in my mind. And I started crying, and I still don't know why I started crying. I think it was just too beautiful. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> See, when you're by yourself for that long and not talking to anybody, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's an amazing story because I'm just like, nope, I've never experienced that, but maybe one day. <laughs> it, just, it was weird, though. There were more weird things um, because everyone had to wear white, and everyone mm. is but you kind of eat in the same area, but nobody mm. talks to each other. So at some point, I remember on the third day, I was eating, everyone was just staring. And at some point I had, my mind was just playing tricks on me. And I, you know, the movie Shutter, sorry, Shutter Island? Ah, uh, Shutter Island, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought I was in a mental institute, like in a, <laughs> a because everyone is white, just staring at the window, staring at nothing, being quiet. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like, in my mind, my whole life was fake. Like, I, I just made it up in my mind. And I've been here in this mental asylum my whole life. <laughs> and I had, like, a moment of paranoia. I was like, shit, I need to get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> mental, I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but it was just half a day. I was like, okay, then, no, it was not a lie. It's okay. Like, snap out of it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that's the thing, like... um. I've also met a few people, you know, that has also came out of those meditation. And when they come out, it's like a different kind of zen, you know, kind of vibe with them. I was like, dude, like, it, it must be very, I guess, therapeutic, you know. And um, what one of the girls I met uh, that just came out of it, she's like to me, like, um, yeah, if you really ever want to do this, you have to be in a very good state of mind. Like, um, she was meditating or well, going through this retreat with one of the girls and she just broke up with her boyfriend. So, you know, going through mm-hmm. the meditation, not being able to talk and just being by yourself in your thoughts, it's just can be quite, I guess, yeah. um, not a very pleasant experience if you're not in the red, right headspace, I guess. You're technically just standing in front of a mirror co- constantly. You're just with mm-hmm. you, your thoughts and nothing else. Um, but I also think that for people who think that it's like, they don't want to do the meditation thing. You don't have to like, you can, it's therapeutic as you said, completely. Um, but you can do it anytime, any day, anywhere. It's just don't let you, don't let yourself get distracted by things around you. Mm. And just put your own thoughts. Can be just sit somewhere and just focus on your being here. Because actually meditating is focusing on being here and don't mm. let your thoughts control you. Uh, but sometimes yeah. the, the thoughts never stop. They go, the, the monks call it monkey mind. Um, monkey mind oh yeah like oh your monkey brain it just 
goes constantly for 24 hours. Um, but uh, don't let it distract you. Observe them, and they're there, and they will go away. They come, they will go away. That's Same crazy. with breathing in, breathing out, push and pull, yin and yang. Mm. Wow. It's so zen, Yoni. You master seafood right here. <laughs> bubble tea. I know. Now he's into the bubble tea business. <laughs> so I guess like um, it is like a definitely a different kind of year and everything, everything for us, but I, I can see mm. a lot of positive and so happy to hear that you're you know, so much better, you know, in a better place right now. Um, Thank you. What are you looking forward to? I mean, it's hard to plan anything right now, but it's good to kind of like, you know, have a little goal or a little thing to look forward to. Like, what is the plan? What is the plan for Yoni? Poloni? Um, my plan now is actually well. Uh, I got back with my ex girlfriend, which is now Congratulations. my girlfriend. Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. Um, and so that's my main goal: making that work. It's uh, that a lot of things happened in the last two years, so we have to figure it out and make it work. That's mm-hmm. my main. Goal. Secondly. Well, this year, nothing, of course. Uh, <laughs> nothing yeah. much to do. But I definitely want to buy a new van next year and make it a travel van and just like <gasps> kind of do it yourself, just completely transform it into a homely travel van. And hopefully next year, uh, maybe the year after, I want to go through Europe with my girlfriend, probably from here to Italy and back or something. That's- oh, that'd be beautiful. And you know what? I think you need a third one as well. Um, bubble tea under the sea with <laughs> like, come on, get this business up and running. <laughs> Everyone who do- don't know bubble tea from Taiwan, it's the best. It is um, the best. Oh, like Yoni is literally addicted to this. He's been cooking up <laughs> topiaki bowls. No, not topiaki bowls. What are they called? Yeah, topioca. Topiaka bowls every night, <laughs> having a, like a, a brown sugar bubble tea before sleep. So I'm telling you, this could be like a, a big thing in your hometown. I'm saying there's no one that has bubble tea, right? So if you need a business partner, I'm happy to team up. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We'll make bubble tea. Yeah, bubble tea under the sea. Woo. <laughs> so... Just to um, yeah, wrap it up and everything, like what is your ins- advice, you know, for anybody that's going through a tough time right now or having some limiting beliefs about themselves, you know, like uh, it is people, everybody's experiencing differently in different parts of the world. But um, the thing is like, you know, even though we're from different cultures and different places, we're all, we're human. We feel the same thing, basically. Yeah. What advice would you give? Advice, well, for now, for these times, especially with COVID and you can't go out and you have to stay inside and a lot of people can't deal with it. And I'm coming back to the meditation thing. Um, appreciate the time you have by yourself. Like, don't, um, I said, it, don't see it as a negative thing. Just take your time with yourself. Be with yourself. And I think beautiful things come will come from that. Sometimes terrible moments, but... From, we learn the most from terrible moments. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I think you also more appreciate more the moments that you are able to be with someone. Mm. Wow, that's so beautiful, Yoni Baloney. I'm <laughs> so wise indeed. Well, it's been a pleasure and I'm so glad you're doing so well for yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll definitely see each other very soon again. And thank you for giving us an amazing experience and, and you know, information of your hometown. Like I definitely want to visit there 100% now. 
if you ever come to the Netherlands, definitely visit the place. This place. Yeah, so definitely try not to pass out or have any more space cake. So <laughs> make sure that I'm <laughs> actually <laughs> alive and functioning to have the full cultural experience again. Yes. <laughs> You're always welcome. Thank you, thank you, Yoni, and thank you so much for all your advice. And guys, if you like what you've like you know, heard today, and you know you feel like this can benefit or help somebody, please share, share it along. Um, yeah, so thank you. And thank you very much for inviting me. I love to talk. Really well, nice. I know you like to talk. So next time we'll do a tutorial on how to make bubble tea with you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.